Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you want to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, nutrition, biohacking, and lifestyle to help you elevate your game, elevate your brain, and make life just so much better. My name's Eric. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And today on the podcast, I have Allison J.K. Dr. Allison is an award-winning, number one international best-selling author, in addition to being a master mind-body energy medicine practitioner for more than 20 years. She also teaches yoga, meditation, qigong, energy medicine, mind-body fitness, longevity, and holistic health with a specialized focus on the chakra system. Dr. Allison JK, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Thank you, Eric. I'm happy to be here. So that is quite a bio. And, and each of those modalities, they tickle this interesting like bone in my brain that just elicits curiosity and magic and all of these gooey feelings that I have that I love about (laughs) the holistic health world. So before we jump into like the specifics of that stuff, maybe you can tell me how you got in the audience, how you got into this whole world of holistic, um, you know, mind, body, energy, medicine. Um, It feels like I was following my path. I have always followed the breadcrumbs. Growing up, I tromped through the woods with my older brother and he would jump on the dead tree limbs in front of us and I'd be connecting in with all of the, the trees and the elementals and the creeks and, and the stream and the rocks and just feeling a total connection and being a part of it all. And so then I got into my teen years and started writing in a journal uh, to stay connected and develop that connection with my higher self and with the universe or source of the divine or however you want to frame it um, that's comfortable for you. And so I started meditating uh, due to having a lot of success as a political organizer in my, uh, like a 21 um, to handle the stress. And I was already at 19 into holistic nutrition. I went into my bachelor's as a psych major and after three semesters was horrified with what, how much I was not being shown. How do we become the most happy or the happiest, most thriving versions of ourselves. And so um, from there, I've basically been looking at how do we become that? And so I brought in lots of, I have a natural predisposition to the Eastern practices, the yogic and the traditional Chinese medical or Taoist um, paths. I'm trained in both, obviously. I lived over in Asia for a decade to 
basically answer my question as I was working in an energy medicine session with a client here in the States before I left, how do I get even more robust results for my client? She was doing great. I was really pleased and I, I wanted to like get even more robust results. And ultimately it led to me um, moving to Asia uh, to teach at the international school level and be an administrator at the international school level rather than at the public school level to further understand how subtle energy works. And I've come back to the West with this real clear perception, Eric and listeners, that we would have so much more thriving if we learned the tools of how to work with our minds and consciousness and how that relates to our subtle energy system. I agree. I, I 100% agree. It's it, and that's a common theme I hear a lot on this podcast and in a lot of wellness. Um, you know, a lot of wellness professionals speak in my circle of wellness professionals. Um, is this disillusion with the mainstream medical, you know, complex or whatever you want to apparatus or uh, whatever it is, because. <laughs> Because it is true that, you know, at the core of our beings, we are energy, right? I mean, like, this has been studied for... It's our first language. It's our first language, right? And it's like, we have these... You know it when you communicate with people, you know? Like, 90% of our language is in our body language, like the unspoken language. And so, it's so interesting when we are able to start tapping into these other modalities um, that it seems you're very well versed in, uh, that... I do believe that the real healing comes from. Well, you know, it's funny because you, Eric was asking me prior to going live um, that, how to refer to myself as an energy healer. And as I responded to him, I don't use that label. Well, when I first came back from Asia and was starting my Facebook business page, I did use energy healer, but that's like the only time. And I trained my vibrational upgrade system, which is what I eventually created practitioners to never refer to themselves as energy healing because I don't consider understanding how the subtle energy system works and how our consciousness works and how they interact to be designed for healing after living for a decade in on the other half of the planet where they understand the invisible is more important than the visible. I don't consider energy medicine, something to only defer to or energy healing or energy work, as some people even express, as something to dabble in when we have a medical crisis only. There is approximately 85% of our potential that is latent that is not used. So I approach it all from a perspective of how to be the most thriving, happiest versions of ourselves and how to unleash that potential. I approach it more from a human potential form rather than the other form of it's something people turn to when they have no other solutions from our paradigm in the West. So you look at it more as like a practice, like you, you, totally. you don't, you don't come to this when you're sick and when you're down and out, it's like you do this work to avoid all that stuff. Yeah. It's like preventative health 501. Yeah. It, it, and that's something that's absolutely missing from just the modern day mainstream um, medical conversation, which is, you know, prevention. And this is my thing with doctors. Like I was talking to somebody who they just had a cancer scare and it drove me crazy because, you know, what the doctor did is the doctor said you have cancer and then they cut it out and then the cancer was gone. But I said, why didn't they tell you why are they investigating the thing that exposed you to this dysfunction at the cellular level? Did they investigate like 
ask you questions that might give some insight into an exposure you might have or a lifestyle habit you might have or a thing in your diet that might be exposing you to this toxic um, influence that's leading your body to form cancer. Um, no, it's just they cut it out and then let it go. And really all of the work should be done on the prevention side. In my opinion, I'm no doctor. I could go in so many directions with that. Here's one. Um, so I have a signature program called Magic Manifestation and Money Flow. Now let me back up for a second. I used to work a lot more with health issues where I was dematerializing matter. So I would take a brain tumor or um, cancer in the intestinal tract or colon, colon cancer is a better way to say that in the more common lingo or chronic back pain. And I would be working with the subtle energy flow to go at. Now you can see my hand going in the same motion over and over again as if pounding. So when something becomes physicalized, it requires much more pounding of the subtle energy than if I can catch it at the mental or emotional or spiritual level before it goes into the bodily physicalized form. And so I know that there are three things. Um, the traditional Chinese medical system, I'm trained in, long, in longevity nutrition as you I have a special certification in that, but also in tonic herbalism. And in tonic herbalism, from the Chinese perspective, there's what's called the three treasures, and it's Jing, Qi, and Shen. And Shen is the heart, and that's our spirit. So then Jing is our lifetime supply of life force that is given to us from our ancestors, so to speak, our genetics, but not our genetics. I don't wanna make people think that everything relies on the genetics when I say that it's from a different, it's a lifetime supply of life force energy. Chi in the front at the Dantian, the, around the lower belly, underneath the belly button by about an inch is the daily supply of Chi or vital life force energy. So when we have either too much stress that becomes chronic or we have toxic food or toxic physical substances. So notice I just was talking about me what's mental and emotional stress that then becomes physiological when we label something as stressful, then our body chemistry changes. The event itself like traffic doesn't shift us into a stressful biochemistry. The interpretation of this event is stressful is actually what shifts the body into the biochemistry of stress. So that's mental and emotional and then the, Next level I was just talking about was from nutrition, toxicity, or from not having clean air. So if any of these toxins at any of those levels get too out of control, we go into what's called the tipping point. The toxic load becomes too much. And so our system no longer has the daily supply of chi for vital life force energy. It then taps into the jing, the mm. lifelong supply. And what, another way of saying that is is when I was working out at the gym, because I'm also a personal trainer, and I was a gym rat in um, Asia, and I would ask my fellow Taiwanese um, gym rats, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Or what did you do this weekend? They would all, many of them, the majority would say rest. And I was shocked because I was going out, tooling around the island, discovering things on my scooter or on the train and going in touring around to monasteries or out dancing. I mean, I was living life. And so there was such a repeated rest as a response for what to do with their weekend. I was, I asked like, what is this with rest? And they said, well, we know the bottom line I eventually got to was we know not to ever let our adrenals go into burnout because it's a really hard thing to recover from. So I say all of this because 
I had a woman who went through my signature program, Magic Manifestation and Money Flow. It's a three-month program where I'm working on their, uh, through the chakra column, I'm able to access mind, body, and spirit. I'm working on all levels of their consciousness, conscious mind, sub, and unconscious. And they're doing all these clearings and activations. So I'm applying energy medicine on them from a, um, a distance, which totally works, by the way, in case anybody's questioning that. Um, and so she came out of the program and had purged so much old, was so much lighter, so much more optimistic, had much better sleep, was having predisposition to eating better food, had really cleared out the past and the rejection from the family of origin and just all sorts of heavy, dense, emotional and mental stuff. And much of it at an unconscious level, but was propelling her to make the choices she made. So she got a, a breast cancer um, diagnosis as she left the program. And it was all focused in one area on the breast. And basically she was getting a surgery to cut it out. And I helped her, I'm gonna call her Mary. So I helped her frame it. Mary, you understand that this can be considered like the focus of all the old that in one spot and just let them cut it out. And so she held that and all the way through the process, she's like, I'm doing my best to hold my own and not buy into the fear that it gets catalyzed when you hear cancer and what the doctors are suggesting. Um, and I said, follow the doctors. Um, we just talked about also knowing that whatever you're doing is friendly for your body. So the follow-up radiation after the surgery is a good thing and it's friendly to her body. As long as the body knows what's coming in because it's alive, it can be talked to. The bottom line is she got through the, the thing, the surgery successfully. And when they did a biopsy on the other breast and they were scaring her about it being cancer, I told her it's not going to be watched and it wasn't. So there is such a different way to approach healthcare that if we were not a profit motivated insurance industry within our medical care system, it would be a very different focus with preventative and even understanding preventative it wouldn't be from the approach only of let me take this medication so that my blood pressure stays low. I mean, there has been the guy, one of the, the original food pyramid group of people who sat and talked about what should be in the food pyramid. All of them were beef or dairy or poultry industry, except this one person who was a nutrition professor, professor at the University of Cornell. And he never sat on the pyramid again because he realized all the profit motive. And one of the things he did was he uh, wrote a book called The Protein Myth. And he went over to Asia to a part to China in a province where they had not really ever been westernized. And they were um, not a high protein diet. They were quite vegetarian. And he introduced a, a, a protein in a Western diet. And once they hit a threshold of 12% or more of protein as in their daily diet, they start in the West, typical Western diet, they started to have the three biggies, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, and the high cholesterol. So I actually, for years, have been saying you can eat your way out of it. I mean, these are all lifestyle things. So, I mean, like, as I said, there's so many different directions I could go in with responding to your question, but there you have some. No, I think that's that, that's an interesting way to approach it, especially the part where, um, you know, you're you're quantifying stress. And I think actually a really interesting tool nowadays is um, the ability to measure heart rate variability, because yeah. the heart rate variability essentially measures your vagal tone. It measures your your parasympathetic tone. And essentially, that's your rest and digest. And it's it's funny that 
in these more ancient cultures, even though they weren't ancient while you were there, it's like they probably still have their their um, their foundation in the ancient cultures, right? Um, that it's all about rest. And when I was in India years ago, I was doing a meditation retreat, and that was they were just like go rest. It was just a lot of resting. And, you know, we did meditation, we did chanting, we did all this stuff. It was really awesome. Um, but it's all about rest. It's all about just laying the body down because, man, like this modern world, it's like from the second you get up. It, I, forget that from the second you are a child and you get put into the education system, you are now being programmed to just, just blast your stress response, blast your stress. Life is just all about stressing and keeping up, stressing, keeping up, stressing, keeping up. And we don't realize where does, where does this heart disease problem come from? And of course the diet, of course the, the toxins in the air, the water, all that stuff. Right. But it's also the fact that we just inherently train ourselves to just, go 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 without ever i mean there's people who just have no idea like i think the reason meditation is so hard for people is just because sitting there for any moment of time and not moving is just such a it's just such a difficult thing for people to, and myself included meditation was a very difficult thing for me to get into because sitting still and just focusing on nothing <laughs> right uh it, it's so difficult but it's so true that that man like when you can just start physically allowing yourself to release stress and avoid not avoid stress but manage stress i think that's where the magic of longevity really comes in one of the magics to longevity yeah but then there's also tonic herbalism there's also working with your consciousness if we understood i do and, and as i teach this if we if the common everyday mainstream person and it was in our paradigm in america in particular understood that you could have your chakra system open and doing more of the work for you rather than you make something happen you write that email you take that step you drive there for that meeting if we were, for example, more receptive, if we weren't all focused on output, there's a Qigong move that is one that I do frequently, and it's called the pushing and pulling of the waves. I'm doing it really fast. But the, the point is, is that in front of the heart, there is all this space, and the heart's 10 times more powerful than the brain. Even with all the electrical synaptic firing in the brain, there's still 10 times more electrical power emanating out for the heart. The heart itself is considered one of the three treasures, um, in that model I was talking about before in traditional Chinese medicine and the spirit is thought to reside there. There is so much more power here that when I'm able to work with somebody, I shift their heart chakra into a position of receptivity and into using the magnetism that, I, that naturally comes out of the heart chakra when it's allowed to be the vortex it's meant to be instead of being blocked because of unconscious and subconscious beliefs, like I'm not worthy of receiving or I'm meant to give and not receive, or I have to do blank, the blank and blank in order to receive. So when these are worked with and cleared out of the heart chakra and the heart chakra is able to emanate out more strongly, that can bring the opportunities and the possibilities into our life without any conscious effort. But we dismiss all of that invisible activity in the States because we're busy focused on the external. And so even the breath, you just said something about meditation. It's hilarious to me watching Americans go through meditation. The yoga meditation teacher, week after week after, all over the world, I have different cultures, ages all over the place with who I've trained for meditation. And 
the typical claim is I can't meditate or I suck at meditation or I feel because the mind's noisy. And that's the number one thing. You become first and foremost aware of how busy your mind is. So when you said sitting there with nothing to do, I totally hear you, Eric, but it's funny because what we are actually doing is retraining our focus onto our breath. But the breath seems to be taken so for granted as does the invisible chi or life force energy, it's translated to vital life force energy, prana in yoga, chi in qigong, uh, ki from reiki, vital life force energy. We take that for granted the same way we take our breath for granted because we think of ourselves as so advanced. So we come all from the mind and all these intellectual concepts and we, we don't look at the basics of what keeps our system humming. How advanced is that really? I mean, it's, it's intelligent, really. It's, it's amazing. And maybe you could talk a little bit about this chakra thing, because I've read a couple books on it. I, I still kind of don't get it. Um, you know, I've taken some pretty sick meditation or uh, yoga classes with some really, you know, some, some real cool teachers who have, you know, they, they incorporate a meditation, uh, a chakra meditation. There's, you know, colors and there's sounds that you make, but I just don't understand how it works. So can, can you explain to the holistic nootropics audience, like what is the idea behind chakras, you know, and, and, and how do they work? So you're asking, frankly, a really good person that question to be asking that question, too. I've been told from other summit leaders or um, interviewers who deal with a lot of people who talk about the chakra column. She's like, she said to me, I'll never forget this. Allison, you are the you have the most unique perspective on the chakras. And I think it's because I am a yoga teacher as well as a personal trainer in, a, in uh, the nutrition perspective. I'm about being in the body. And it seems like there's such a misunderstanding from all the YouTube videos and all of the um, five minute crystal bowl meditations or using sound or color um, that I can just tune my chakras for the day and I'm all set. It is actually the roadmap to enlightenment. I use it as like, you know, that metaphorical interpretation that happens with people in the holistic world where they say, if somebody's knee is aching, then the interpretation metaphorically is they're afraid of moving forward. I don't, that's never worked for me. It's never been a reliable diagnostic or assessment tool. However, in understanding that each chakra, there's seven main ones at the top of the head, one in between the eyebrows, one at the throat, one at the heart, one in the upper belly, one at the lower belly, and one at the tailbone. And they are the intersection of mind, body, and spirit. The chakra means wheel. Chakra from Sanskrit to English means wheel. It's meant to turn this vital life force energy throughout the mind, the body, and the spirit, depending on the domain. So each chakra has a domain of life, all domains of life are covered. So the tailbone, the root chakra is I have the right to be here. So in with that one, it, do, it covers the reproductive because every chakra connects to a major endocrine gland. And Candace Pert, who studied antidepressants for a pharmaceutical company, she knew of the chakra system. And as she was looking at the biggest gathering of neuroreceptors along the central nervous system, along the spine, were where the chakras are along the spine. So what that's saying is the biggest mind-body communication or our central nervous system happens at the chakras. So there's now been evidence coming forth of, so let me do it this way. If you were to turn vital life force energy throughout your throat chakra, you hit the thyroid. So that keeps vital life force energy 
flushing that hormone and the hormonal system is so incredibly sensitive. It's such a good match for subtle energy. So if the if you think of every chakra as an urban center, as LA, New York, city, whatever, and there's all these side routes and interstates and main roads and side roads and alternate routes you take to get to a city, that we have a bunch of side routes called meridians in Chinese, called nadis in yoga, that then pour the vital life force energy out and interconnect the whole body. But if I can access the mind, the body, and the spirit, that means I can access the conscious mind, which is just like at most 15% of what's happening in our mind every day. These are where the thoughts that we hear in meditation or as we go about our day, that's only 15% of what's up in our consciousness. Then there's the unconscious, unmeaning not to conscious, so you don't hear it, and subconscious, meaning under the conscious mind, so you don't hear it. So I can access all three levels of the mind. And so, for example, trauma goes into the subconscious, my conditioning when I grew up, if I'm if we sit there from ages two to eight, try, attempting to understand how to do life on planet Earth, if older brother gets that great attention from dad and I want that feeling, I have a conclusion. Well, how does older brother get that? Well, he follows dad around and acts like dad. So if I want that yummy feeling from dad, I need to be like him, follow dad around and act like dad. So let's say our dad's a jerk, but nonetheless, he's a he's our authority figure we're going to understand that acting, we're going to have an unconscious conclusion that acting like my dad is good because that's how I get that good feeling. And if that includes acting like a jerk, then that's part of our unconscious conclusions. So we'll, we have a lot of stuff residing in the back of the house consciousness at the un and subconscious level. So I'm able to get at all of that through working through the chakra system. I'm also able to get at the part of the body that the chakra physically resides in. So like the tailbone is chakra, the root chakra is responsible for the develop the first thing that develops in the womb is the central nervous system. So it, it's the housing of the root of the cent the grounding of the spinal column, but it's also responsible for down to the tips of the toes. So legs, feet, um, knees are all governed by the root chakra. The more vital life force energy you have turning out the open vortex that the wheel that is the chakra is meant to create when there's no blockage there, it will flush that chi all the way down to the tops of your toes. So you will not be predisposed to having leg issues. So mind, body, spirit, spirit's how I can access past life and karmic stuff. And, and I do talk about past life and karmic because I mean, living in the East, it's clear that, I mean, even the, um, convention at Nicaea in the 400s AD, uh, they reincarnation used to be part of the Bible and they got rid of it because it didn't serve the church's purposes. So whether you believe in reincarnation or not, like if a kid has a certain talent um, early on that's considered in other cultures to be a natural uh, soul level skill. So if I'm working with the chakra column, I'm able to assess if a person has a difficulty and I'm not doing it mentally, I'm doing it with first and foremost, my intuition and they're telling me there's this issue they want to get over in their life. Like, let's say um, I don't really speak up for myself. I don't really um, allow myself to go for what I want. The fifth chakra, the throat, is where we are. The communication stuff happens, but I consider the more important stuff nowadays. This is where we make our choices from as we co-create our lives, recognizing our own power and that we're not victim to anything outside of ourselves or even our limiting beliefs. So if I want to make a new choice and I want to, if my neck is tight, part of that is because I feel like I have no choice or little to no choice. Yes, it's part of my body posture. But if two, let me give you this one last bit before I stop this segment here. Eric, if, if two people are in a car accident with same exact impact, one can end up with whiplash, one doesn't. 
I had this happen because I was thrown in the air twirling three times on my scooter in, in Taiwan because a car hit me, a drunk driver hit me. It was such a strong impact high, at high speed. I was thrown up in the air twirling three times, landed straight directly on the top of my head and was taken to the hospital. And the doctor said, you know, most people would either be dead or paralyzed. And I was fine. Part of that was my musculature from being a personal trainer. But part of that was because I had a healthy throat chakra. And so that vital life force energy acts as buoyancy. So two people can be in the same impact, the same car accident, same car, um, and one can end up with whiplash and one doesn't because they have the fresh vital life force energy circulating in the neck area. So it acts as buoyancy. There's so much more to the chakra system than people typically understand. Yeah. I mean, that's more than I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, that's, that's why I love it because there's, it's such, it's such this undercover, not undercover, but undercovered topic that, you know, I also believe plays, you know, some role. I don't know to the extent of how much it does, um, but it definitely it definitely plays a role in in somebody's kind of overall being. And, you know, quite frankly, like we all know those people who are just sick all the time, those people who are just always, you know, they're kind of miserable. They kind of carry they, they look like they carry this weight with them. And, and, you know, as a nutritional, um, professional, I look at that and go, it's there's nutrition. Um, but I know there's also more to the story than that. And, you know, when I listen to you talk like this, of course, it's something to do with their childhood. Of course, it's something to do with the way they were raised, but could it also be something from a past life? You know, that's an, that's a question I can't answer, but, um, I do think from all my work was, I'm sorry. I'd say yes from all my work. Past lives are huge, especially in this time between 2012 and 2032. There is like this, it's called community spiritual awakening time. And uh, I have seen so, like we're seeing the shite hit, hit the fan, like it's since the 2016 elections in the United States. And there's more people protesting in the streets in different countries around the world. Like Chile had protests, like countries that are not typically having people walk in the streets protesting. It's a part of the change that everything that's been out of alignment is and out of balance is now being brought into alignment. And it starts with each of us personally but then how we treat the earth and then the financial institutions, educational, healthcare institutions, everything is in the last decade, we've spent basically having it crumble, the old paradigm and all the truths revealed, like the Me Too movement, the BLM, all of that is symptomatic of this greater massive clearing that's happening to bring everything into alignment as we create the new era. And so we're moving into the second half of that 20 year window from 2012 to 2032. And I've seen like more past life stuff come up and more opportunities, frankly, for people who are doing that work already. Like, I remember, this is gonna sound whacked maybe to some people, but I remember one of my first clients back in this, when I was back in the States, she was, I felt like I was helping her rebirth. And I said, you know, you're gonna be able to get so much change. It's the beginning of working with her. I perceived intuitively, you're gonna be able to get so much change that you don't even gonna to need to die and be reincarnated in a different body. And that was in 2011. So that was the beginning of the nature of these times we're in. That's why more people are interested in yoga and meditation now. More people are interested in chakras now. And there's meditation apps pre-COVID. There's just more awakening happening at the spiritual level. And when you said like the thing about nutrition, and it could be related to their past lives, it's not just nutrition. And it is maybe something in their childhood. It's also what I've seen on the reverse end of that, Eric, is that when people start getting lighter, clearing that back of the house consciousness that they're unaware of, but that's propelling us to make at least 85% of our daily choices because it's that unconscious how we live our daily life and what we think is possible for us and the path that we can choose, what we think is available to us rather than the robotic living. 85% of our choices made on a daily level aren't even conscious. They're just robotic living. So when we start to get that cleared and it comes more to the front of the house consciousness, 
where it's our conscious mind and we can hear the thoughts, we now have more presence because we have released the vital life force energy or consciousness. So we have more accessible to make more conscious choices. And when I see people lightening up like that, they naturally choose lighter foods to vibrationally match how they're feeling inside. So people's dietary choices are typically a match of how they feel energetically. Energy is our first language and it is the commanding force in our lives. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And and that's the interesting thing when it comes to diet, which is it's like the chicken and the egg thing. You know, it's yeah. like we choose foods that fit our mood. So, yeah. you know, when people are feeling down, you want something that can deliver the nutrients directly to your blood. So it's like high glycemic foods, high sugar, high starch, high, you know, corn oil, all that stuff, because it just goes right in your blood. But, you know, when you are feeling calmer, when you are feeling, when you slow it down, when you're feeling more present, you go for those lower glycemic foods, those more whole foods, those things that nourish you. And it takes a little bit longer to do, but you have that patience, you have that mindfulness, you have that calm. So it, that's an interesting point. Cool. So you were saying that you, um, and this is the last thing before I let you go, but uh, you were saying that you do work with, you know, some different herbs and different things like that. Well, can you maybe shine, shed some light on, on some of these uh, different herbs and, and compounds that you use to um, to supplement your, your practice? Sure. I would be glad to do that with you, Eric. <laughs> so since you've been talking so much about adrenals um, and adrenal support, Let's go to Reishi. Now, I had my own uh, radio show. It's how I learned about uh, the Mayan Galactic Alignment in 2012 on December 21st and the importance of it because I interviewed a whole bunch of specialists. Um, I also interviewed a specialist on Reishi. He is the owner of and the founder and the acupuncturist behind JingHerbs.com. Mm. His name is George. I refer them all the time. I get nothing for it. Um, Jing is known as one of the three treasures, as I just talked about earlier. And so this is a company designed to work with tonic herbalism. And so he came on and we spent a whole hour on my radio show that I used to have talking about Reishi. Reishi feeds the Shen uh, of the one of the three treasures at the, the heart and the spirit. It actually helps feed your higher self. It helps the heart, though. And I'll never forget, I was in a session with a guy and it was just so um, obvious to me how central and he had high blood pressure how central the heart is to everything and beyond the physical and i know i'm saying something that seems rather obvious but at a, if our spirit resides there if a part of who we are eternally resides there that's even more reason to listen to it and to nurture it and nourish it and so reishi mushroom is a great it's considered the queen of medicinal mushrooms it's great for immune boosting as well as boosting that connection with something beyond your physical self and your eternal life. There's another one that's really good for women. Um, as soon as you start to feel stressed is ashwagandha. Mm. This is now going into the Ayurvedic or the, the yogic or Indian um, traditional medicine, which I have training in as well. Um, ashwagandha is, is, is very, very subtle. And um, it helps if you're feeling, if you have a lot of stress, uh, there's a certain type of tonic herbalism that, is able to be um it's bi-directional and it's considered an, it's called an adaptogenic so when your body does have the stress it doesn't take such a debit out of your system thereby making you more likely to have a physical issue it bolsters your system increasingly it's not like our conditioning around medications from the pharmaceutical industries you can only take so much and you should stop tonic herbalism is the longer it's in your system the more power you get from it so ashwagandha is really good for women um 
Talsai tea, I, I put as my base, I don't have a smoothie anymore with a fruit base. I have a teas, these tonic herbs as teas. And so Talsai tea from organic India is really good. Talsai plant everybody has grown in India. That's one of my favorite teas of all time. Yeah. I love it. It's, yeah. It's really good as a base in your smoothie. Um, okay. Chaga mushroom, I see, I, I see a lot of men take too. I do too. I like chaga mushroom. I don't mean to... I don't want to be unfair and say one just for women. So I'm trying to make chaga for men, but it's really not. Um, <laughs> chaga mushroom is from the Chinese totem um, of medicinal mushrooms. I used to go when I lived in Taiwan, there was this um, alley in the city I lived in. And then I could go to the capital in Taipei and a whole section of the city where like there were bags about four feet high, open plastic bags, just piled with different medicinal mushrooms. It was wow. wild. Yeah. Um, so chaga mushrooms really good also for baseline immunity, baseline energy levels vitality as well as chaga has a little bit of influence um neurologically to help with more um effective processing and uh, clarity so chaga is really good too yeah those are all great uh, and those are all uh compounds that i've discussed you know, plenty of times on this podcast, I have entire sure. review articles on my blog, holisticentropics.com, all about those. So uh, that is absolutely in line with uh, with how we throw down around here, Dr. Allison. Um, so I, I know you got to get out of here. I know you got people to help. So uh, I'm gonna let you go. But before I do, if you could maybe direct people listening to this uh, to somewhere online where they can find you, if they want to keep up with you, if they'd like to work with you, if they'd like to see some of uh, your online content, where would you send the Holistic Nootropics listener? Thanks, Eric, for that. Um, all of my books, I have four. They're on uh, Amazon. Allison J. You have to use the middle initial J. K-A-Y is my last name because there's another Allison K on Amazon. Uh, vibrationalupgrade.com is my website. I also have a free Vibrational Upgrade Facebook group. Fantastic. And we'll put links to that. I'll create some show notes. We'll put links to all that in the show notes on the blog as soon as we release this. Um, in the meantime, Dr. Allison, JK, thank you so much for joining me today on the Holistic Nootropics podcast. And listener, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow all of Allison's work online. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoyed the video, give it a thumbs up. Remember to subscribe and watch out for the next video and podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.